In its quest to provide an open forum for discussion of controversial issues, this station allows hosts and their guests to express themselves without any significant censorship. You are advised that any view expressed by the host or their guest are not necessarily the views of the owners or management of Toginet Radio, Togi Entertainment, or the Owners Group, Inc. It's time for Sex Talk with Lou. Lou Paget on Toginet. So, have you ever wondered if you're normal or why you feel distant from your partner? Why they keep doing that? Want to recreate a truly connected relationship? Or wondered, how do I tell my partner or kids about things? Then this is your chance to be a fly on the wall and learn about one of the most important parts of our health, our sexual health. Lou Paget is a certified sex educator, an international best-selling author, and not only will Lou and her guests discuss the most current research, they will put you at the head of the class on good, solid, scientifically-based information and how it will impact you and your family. Known for delivering information about sexuality and relationships sans the sleaze factor while retaining all the accuracy, fun, and the you're kidding factor. Let's get to it. Sex Talk with Lou on Toginet. And now here's your host, Lou Paget. Welcome, everyone, and thank you for joining us this evening. Tonight, I have an absolute icon in the field of sexual health and sexuality. This gentleman is known worldwide, and his specialty is something that speaks to so many people. My guest this evening is the Reverend Dr. William Staten, or as we know him, Bill Staten. He is a professor at a number of different, if I read his entire biography, we'd be here for, you know, next 20 minutes. But he's a professor at Morehouse School of Medicine. He is also a professor, scholar in residence, and former director of the Human Sexuality Program at Widener University in Chester, Pennsylvania. And he is also an adjunct professor in the Program in Human Sexuality at the University of Minnesota Medical School. He has innumerable publications, participated in a number of different documentaries, and he has been awarded by all of the peer organizations within our field, ASECT, SICUS, Widener University, and received probably one of the top awards for worldwide acknowledgement for contribution to the field, which was the gold medal award from the World Association for Sexual Health in Sweden this past June. And Dr. Staten is also an ordained minister in the American Baptist Church and a licensed clinical psychologist and certified sexuality, marriage, and family therapist, which is why he is the triple threat and has the ability to balance so many different understandings and sensitivities as one of the top people in our field dealing with sexuality and religion or sexuality and faith-based communities. And, Bill, I assume you're on the line with me? I, I sure am. I'm <laughs> overwhelmed with your introduction, though. <laughs> I don't know whether I'll ever come up to, uh, to your expectations. But we'll Darling, see. you deserve every single, every single syllable of that acknowledgement. <laughs> so... I'm going to give people a little bit of background on how you and I first met, and it Great. was through ASECT, which is the American Association for Sex Educators, Counselors, and Therapists, and Bill is known for his colorful and most unique outfits 
at our peer groups. And I think it was a white linen outfit that you happened to be wearing this one particular summer. Does that ring a bell? Yes, it sure does. <laughs> and he's always completely comfortable in everything he wears. But what I also have, when I first met Bill, you were doing the SARS, which is sexual um, attitude um, reassessment. Is that, are those the correct terms for it? Yes, that's correct. And what they are is for anyone coming into the field of sexual health within ASECT and within Quad S, Society for Scientific Study of Sexuality, a SAR is something that has people look at how do they really feel and how, what might be some of the things inside of them that they themselves are not aware of or need to have, you know, sort of like, as I would say, the blinds opened so that they would know of the more current things that have been done in the field or on, in, in a way, also kind of a sensitivity um, awareness. And Bill has always been someone that has excelled in doing these presentations. So when I, when I was approached to do presentations for the severely injured soldiers in Orlando with the Coalition to Support America's Heroes for OEF and OIF soldiers, both women and men, I was asked to put together a panel. And Bill was one of the first people that I wanted to be on this with me because of how important the religion and the faith-based area of sexuality and sexual health is when speaking into, particularly with, you know, certain younger communities. So, Bill, yes. given that I've sort of given that thumbnail sketch, can you explain or tell people what it was that was your, you know, your professional evolution that had you go from being an American Baptist clergy to the area of blending these two different fields? Well, when I was serving actually my first parish as the pastor of that parish, I had people start coming to me with issues that I didn't even know existed. <laughs> and I felt totally unprepared to, to deal with and yet I'd been to seminary. I was working on a doctoral, uh, on a doctorate in psychology, but I was not prepared for the kinds of issues, sexual issues especially, that came to me as a pastor. And I think tell, that can you say really what, sparked me. Hmm? Right. Can you say what some of those issues might have been that you... That, well, issues that around you sexual orientation, mm -hmm. issues around gender expression, mm -hmm. uh, men who were cross-dressing, for example, mm -hmm. um, people who were into alternative lifestyles. Meaning they um, wanted to have sex with more than one person? Right. Mm -hmm. Or were having sex with more than one person. And then I think another issue that came up was a family that had a child that was both male, female, or had both components, and they were asked which gender they wanted their child to be. Mm -hmm. And I didn't even know that anything like this existed. Then I think another issue that began coming in was w w consisted of uh, couples who came to me with sexual problems, which I didn't even know I had. And... Um, <laughs> 
called Coming Before You're Called. But <laughs> I had no idea. You know, and I'd go home and I'd say to my wife, I'd say, you know, this issue came today. And she said, well, you know, <laughs> I've been wanting to talk to you about that for a long time. <laughs> but you were married very young, Bill. Yes, I really was. I was 20 and, and my wife was 19. And you had to get permission and she was okay and could give her own permission, right? Well, my dad had to sign for me because I was underage in California to get a license at that time. Right. So here you were this in your first, you know, parish with people who were asking you these questions. And then what what occurred? Where did you go? Well, then my young people asked me one time if they could have a sex education program in our church because there was nothing in the public schools. Mm-hmm. And I I I was excited, I was scared, and I was really moved because when I was a kid, I didn't have anyone to uh, to ask mm-hmm. uh, because sex itself was a dirty word uh, in my growing up time. So I was I joined with a, a rabbi and another minister in our community, and we designed a course for young people. And among us, we decided we had about 60 kids, and we asked them to come with sign notes from their parents, and the first night, we had over 650 show up. Oh, my gosh. All with sign notes from their parents. (laughs) And uh, I was amazed at the questions they asked, at how well-behaved they were, and at how they were like sponges in wanting to have their questions answered. Mm-hmm. And then the Board of Education of that community came to me afterwards and uh, had heard about it through the newspapers and said they would like us to do another course sponsored by the religious organizations uh, for junior hires. And we took over the high school facility and had it for junior hires and their parents. And I still do education programs today in churches for parents as well as the youth. Mm-hmm. Can you tell me what some of one of some of the questions that may have jumped out that with the first night with the six hundred and fifty? Well, a lot of questions were around masturbation. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Same gender. Same gender, um, sexuality, mm-hmm. um, wanting to know about the differences between male and female, mm-hmm. um, those kinds of questions. Which, you know, if we could just have, I mean, to me, there's nothing that is more more natural or more who we are, you know, from, you know, whoever we call it a maker or whatever, then what our sexuality is, is we're born from this. Right. And and I think that there, we should have such permission to learn about it in a respectful way. But right. so far, you know, but we're working on that. Now, we have one minute until our first break. My guest this evening is... Reverend Dr. William Staten, and what we're going to be talking about throughout this show are 
what are might be some of the differences within certain faith-based communities that have that are crossable, you know, cross over to other areas. And if anyone has a call or would like to call in and has a question, this is the 800 number, 877-864-4869, 877-864-4869. And so, Bill, they ask these questions. When they left, did any of the parents come up and ask you, now we've got 10 seconds to our break, when we come back, can you tell people, what the parents said about what their children were told and what their reactions were. Well, the parents were really very pleased that something was being offered by the religious organizations. Right. So we'll talk about that and go into detail when we come back. Please stay with us. This is Sex Talk with Lou on TogiNet with your host, Lou Paget. Techniques and tips are her specialty. She delivers bite-sized chunks of information you can use right away that work. So stand by for more sex talk when we get back after these. This is Sex Talk with Lou on TogiNet.com. Adoption, Journey to Motherhood with Mary Beth Wells. Monday mornings at 9, 8 a.m. Central. This is not your typical show about adopting children. This is a shared experience from Mary Beth's heart. Mary Beth will be talking about and covering all the issues pertaining to adoption, including adopted parents, birth parents, adoptees, foster care, and infertility. So... How did your journey to motherhood begin? Or are you still on the path? We want to hear all voices sharing their stories and talking about those issues that are so dear to our hearts. You see, Mary Beth is a birth mom that relinquished a child for adoption and ended up coming full circle by adopting two beautiful little girls from Guatemala. And that led to her starting a doll company about adopting baby dolls from all around the world so that children could choose their own doll and learn about that doll's heritage. For more on Mary Beth and her dolls, go to PreciousBabyDolls.com. Then join us for Adoption, Journey to Motherhood with Mary Beth Wells. Monday mornings at 9, 8 a.m. Central. Remember, the heart knows no boundaries. Season Me is on Toginet. A delightful, thoughtful, serious, and not-so-serious call-in show with Cecil Murphy and Twyla Belk. Tuesday nights at 8, 7 Central on Toginet.com. You know Cease is the veteran author from 90 Minutes in Heaven, Gifted Hands, When a Man You Loved Was Abused, and many other books, as well as a mentor for writers. And Twyla Belk is an effervescent force known as the Gotta Tell Somebody Gal. She's also a writer and motivational speaker who's always bragging on God. For more on Cecil Murphy, go to his website, Cecil Murphy, that's P-H-E-Y dot com. And for Twyla, GottaTellSomebody.com. The show, Season Me, is a far-reaching, faith-based, shared conversation and call-in show with questions welcome. A chance to get everything out in the open. From questions about writing, to surviving sexual abuse, to the topics of the day. All from a Christian worldview, to help you. Season Me, Cecil Murphy, Twyla Belk. Tuesday evenings at 8, 7 central on toginet.com. Welcome back to Sex Talk. Imagine having access to some of the best experts in the field of sexuality and sexual health so you can finally ask that question. Be it function, sensation, or something you've heard, this is the spot. It's Sex Talk with Lou on toginet.com. And now, back to your host, Lou Paget. Welcome back. 
back, everyone. Tonight, my guest is the Reverend Dr. William Staten. And before the break, we were having a conversation on the first time he did a presentation on, you know, sexuality education, along with another gentleman who was a rabbi, and they had 650 um, kids who signed up with the signed notes from their parents. And you were saying, Bill, I wanted to find out, what did the parents say? Did the parents have more questions, or did they want something for themselves? Yes. The parents often are afraid because they themselves don't have information, but their kids are going to have more information than they do. Right. And so one of the things they asked for was, could they be involved? So in sexuality education programs now, I always involve parents as much as possible. Well, you know, I mean, it's the one thing that, you know, and we've spoken of this. One of the jobs as a parent is to parent well. And probably the toughest issue that most parents feel that they can't deal with properly is, you know, one of them is sexuality. The other is the things that they didn't, they shouldn't have done or didn't really want to do, but certainly don't want their kids to do and they don't want the kids to ask. <laughs> right. Michael. Um, uh, recently had a program in a church for senior high youth and their parents and then junior high youth and their parents. Mm-hmm. And I'm doing a high school uh, soon. But one of the things I do is I try to meet with the parents first off and find mm-hmm. out what do they want their child to feel about themselves as a sexual person. And second, what do they want their child to feel about sex and sexuality? And third, what do they want their child to know? So that they can begin thinking through all these questions, and then that helps me in developing the curriculum. Okay, so the three questions are, you want to know what they want their child to feel about sexuality? Well, feel about themselves as a sexual person. Okay, feel about themselves. Feel about, you know, sex. Okay. What do they want to know? Okay. And do the parents actually have the ability to state that, or do they kind of like stumble because they don't even know how to put those thoughts into, you know, to put them together? Right. That's why they're such good questions, because that causes the parents to begin to talk with one another about, about these questions and what do they want their child. Do they want their child to feel guilty about being a sexual person? Do they want their child to not like their genitalia or their sexuality? Um, and, and most parents will say, no, I want my child to feel good about sex. I want them to be able to put it into a proper context. And then I say, well, what do you want your child to know? This is, I mean, that's pretty powerful. Yeah, now, it sure is. What, now, if they are from a very structured faith-based community, how do you work with them? Because I know, you know, is, is I one of my questions for you is how similar, or is the case maybe dissimilar, are the world's biggest religions in their teachings about sexuality? Well, one of the 
One of the things that I try to make clear at the very beginning is that there are actually three types of sexual value systems. <clears throat> One value system is based on the act of sex being moral, immoral, right, wrong, good, bad, like masturbation, uh, birth control, abortion, homosexuality. Uh, those are specific acts of sex. And most people link religion with being about the acts of sex. Okay. But another belief system, which is just much scriptural basis, no matter what the scripture is, whether it's the Quran, the Old Testament, the New Testament, um, is about the nature of relationships, that what's really important are not the acts of sex, but the motives and the consequences of those acts. Mm -hmm. That it's not the act itself that holds the moral value, it's the motives and the consequences. It, it has to do with the nature of our relationships. So the issue is, how do we want our children to develop relationships that are going to be meaningful and helpful to them? Then mm -hmm. the third kind of value system is the one that's based more on comfort level. For example, one may be comfortable with masturbation but not comfortable with homosexuality so that they don't really have any consistent basis for making their judgment. It's more on their own comfort level, what education they've had, you know, the myths that they've been brought up with. Okay. So I try to make those clear as we begin to think through the questions that I've given the parents. Right. Now, were there any, if I may boldly ask this question, <laughs> were there any things that were... Um, tough questions or things for you and Kathy to deal with with your children? Well, you know, our children were brought up with all of this information. Um, I didn't keep anything from the kids. Um, we had all kinds of books out. They could, so that if you were to ask our adult our, all our kids now are adults, if you were to ask them when they first learned about sex, they'd say, gee, we've just always known about it. Mm-hmm. It was something... In fact, they became the sex educators for the community, for their, <laughs> you know, for their peers. That's um, what I was going to ask you. Did they then become, you know, the, 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 fact, the experts? Daughter, yeah. In fact, our daughter, when she was in college... She set aside one night a week in her dorm where the, the, the women in her dorm could all come to me with their questions over the phone. Oh, now that's fabulous. You know, it's the um, validation, it's the acknowledgement, and a safe place. It also makes it something that you can talk about, that we could talk about sexual things very, I think, quite easily in our home. Mm -hmm. And and we always had uh, guests, like we had gay and lesbian people, bisexual people, transgender people, uh, cross-dressers, um, 
even people in alternative lifestyles that would come to our home for dinner or for gatherings so that our kids were always um, a part of those discussions and a part of those experiences so that they grew up. For example, our, our daughter's godmother was uh, a lesbian woman, a black lesbian woman, actually. Mm-hmm. And... And here's the thing of, as you and I both know, that often in almost any area, whether it's something that someone doesn't know from a culture or from a religion, that when you meet someone and you see the humanity of that person, it's often, oh, well, that's just so-and-so, and that's just what they're, you know, that's who they're attracted to, or that's what they like. Right. I think one of the things, too, that they've learned is that so... Almost all the people we've always had in our home have people who have come out of some kind of religious background or religious upbringing and have felt spiritually abused because they were not accepted. Right. I think our, our, our children learned very early about spiritual abuse. Mm-hmm. And being told you're not going to be okay, and I mean, I do have friends of mine who were um, Latter-day Saints and were basically told, um, you will never go where we are going, you are nothing, you are, after having been the absolute apple of the entire family, they were, you know, the most popular, and, and then when they finally said, well, I... Um, you know, I, I'm interested in men, their family completely disowned them. And yet, when you are raised, as you know, within a faith-based community or within a certain religion, that's a part of who you identify yourself as. Right. I've had, I had a family who were of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, mm-hmm. and they had a uh, a son who came out as gay, and you know they were caught in a very, very difficult situation because they loved their religion it 's very family based religion, but on the other hand they ha- they came to the point where they had to choose between their religion and their love for their child and that 's what brought them in to talk with me, and they ended up going with their child, but it was a very painful then separation from a place that they were also very devoted to and loved. I I have heard the same thing. Is there something that, is there anything within organizations, and we have one minute until our next break, is there, because what I'd like to um, ask you, as a, you know, marriage family therapist and working in that area, are there things, you know, certified sexuality, marriage, family therapist, is there a difference between the issues facing devout patients or clients who come to see you and those who have issues that are more, sec- you know, more the secular, the issues that they're dealing with? Well, I think one thing that's very, very important, Lou, is that no religion is monolithic. That right. is, that it is one way. There are right. spectrum of theological views in all of our faith communities. And right. so one of the important things is helping people to link up with a part of their faith community that they can feel comfortable with. Right. 
We will be right back with Reverend Dr. William Staten. Please stay with us. This is Sex Talk with Lou on TogiNet with your host, Lou Paget. Techniques and tips are her specialty. She delivers bite-sized chunks of information you can use right away that work. So stand by for more sex talk when we get back after these. This is Sex Talk with Lou on TogiNet.com. So where were you in the 1970s? Well, this Saturday morning, we're going to flash back to the 70s as we count down the classic hits with the American Rock and Roll Countdown. You'll hear news and information and stories about the artist and what was going on during the specific week that we highlight. So be sure to join us at 9 o'clock Eastern Standard Time this Saturday on Toginet for the American Rock and Roll Countdown. The American Rock and Roll Countdown on Toginet. Get ready for the Not-So-Soccer Mom, Tuesday afternoons at 1 Eastern, noon Central, on Toginet with Jill Hickey. You name it, from politics to pop culture to Jill's search for the perfect bronzer and chicken salad. The Not-So-Soccer Mom will weigh in on it all. The sentence, I have no opinion about that, is one that Jill has never uttered. Everybody In the early 90s, Jill finally decided to put her thoughts, opinions, mom advice, love of pop culture, hummus, and Starbucks, working out, cosmetic shopping, and politics into an actual website, and thus NotSoSoccerMom.com was born. Shortly after her fourth child, a boy, Jerome, now she's really got tons of topics to share with you. This is Laugh Out Loud Funny, and we're not kidding. What's a loud Nebraska girl who lived in Little Rock for many years and now is up in the Northeast doing, chronicling her opinions on everything? The wheels aren't off yet, but it's close. It's the Not-So-Soccer Bomb with Jill Hickey. Tuesday afternoons at 1 Eastern, noon Central on toginet.com. Welcome back to Sex Talk. Imagine having access to some of the best experts in the field of sexuality and sexual health so you can finally ask that question. Be it function, sensation, or something you've heard, this is the spot. It's Sex Talk with Lou on toginet.com. And now, back to your host, Lou Paget. Welcome back, everyone. Tonight, my guest is Reverend Dr. William Staten, and Bill Staten is an American Baptist clergy and a licensed clinical psychologist and certified sexuality, marriage, and family therapist. So, Bill, if, you know, given that you have the awareness, and as I say, you kind of like, you're not just riding, you know, a snowboard, you're riding parallel set skis, so you've got both cultures and both trainings. If there were one sliver or one thing that could be pulled out of faith-based or religion that could have people feel better about their sexuality, is there such a thing? Yes. First of all, I think it's really important. I believe very strongly that we are born both sexual and spiritual beings. And I say that, which doesn't necessarily mean religious, but by spiritual, I mean that people who are asking for meaning, why am I like this, or why is this? When you ask 
questions about meaning, you're always really asking a spiritual question. Science does not talk about meaning. Science only describes. And so I think that we're born sexual. We know that. We know that we have sexual response even before birth and mm-hmm. sexual response all the way, you know, to the end. And, but we also, when we ask questions about meaning, the meaning of our sexuality, the meaning of why I feel the way I feel, those are really spiritual questions. And one of the problems I think that has, a, has occurred over history is that religion has bifurcated these two for so many people. It's that separated. You be, yes, right. That you have to be either, you know, a sexual and give up the spiritual or be spiritual and give up the sexual. And that I think the purpose in life is to integrate them, that we can find meaning in our sexuality, our sexual behavior, our sexual relationships. Mm-hmm. And therefore, that's, I think, the important thing. When people say, I'm spiritual, but I'm not religious, mm-hmm. um, or they'll say, I don't believe in God, my, my response is, I don't believe in that God either. Okay. I'm I'm right with you. I don't believe in that God. Whatever God they don't believe in, I don't believe in that God either. (laughs) Do you believe in the one that they believe in? Well, I believe believe in one that gives us meaning that is not meaning that's filled with guilt and shame. Right. I mean, when... So, if you have... When you, you know, when you are dealing with a client who's coming in who is from a strong faith-based um, community, whether it is Muslim or Jewish or Catholic or Baptist or, you know, whatever, you know, fundamentalist, is there a difference between what they may come in with as an issue in relationship and sexuality or what someone who is of a more secular nature might come into your office with? No, actually, they come in with the same things. It's just they have different feelings about what they're coming in with. Okay. For example, I have many faith-based people come in who are trying out alternative lifestyles or who feel have gay experiences or, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. as I do people who are secular. Um, the problem often with the secular person is that they don't know where they're coming from, whereas a faith-based person often at least knows what they're reacting against or reacting, you know, to. Okay. Uh, so but they come in with the same issues. It's just how they deal with it. One of the things I think that's important is I try to point out if they're an acts-based person, that is, they believe very strongly that these acts are immoral that they bring up, Mm -hmm. I try not to go against their belief system. Okay. I just say, you know, well, then you really need to feel good about yourself. You need to hold to those belief systems. Okay. When you don't, when you don't hold to those beliefs, when you don't hold to those behaviors, you do those behaviors, but you believe differently that you're in trouble. 
So right. that it's important that a person be consistent with their belief systems and their behavior. And I don't try to change them. I will point out the differences. Right. And often, you know, it appeals to them to know that they could be a faith-based person and still be in the kinds of behaviors that they're participating in. Right, because for many, you know, for many, if that, you know, the, the core of what they know their faith and what their their beliefs are is like telling them that they're going against, you know, the essence of, of who they feel or how they have been raised. Right. So I, I think one of the biggest issues um, that we come up against now are families in very strong religious traditions who have a child who might be gay or lesbian, or one who are gay or lesbian. And, um, you know, and, and they're trying to reconcile their faith and the, the reality of the whole family situation. And they're the ones that are really suffering badly because so many times parents think, that their church is going to want them to give their child up or that they're going to try to save their child from being gay. And, of course, that's, that's not possible. No, and, I mean, that's what you, you and I know is reparative therapy. Right, exactly. Which does and not... Fact, so it's helping parents to be able to develop a value system and a faith-based value system that is going to help them in accepting their child and feeling good about that. Mm-hmm. So would those be some of the toughest patient cases that you've had to deal with? Well, they're the most current and the most that we see most and the ones we see most often. Mm-hmm. I think the other uh, thing that we see quite often are people who are in some kind of an alternative lifestyle, whether they have a secret affair or whether they have multiple relationships um, and yet they feel that this is inconsistent with their faith-based belief system. Mm-hmm. And, and therefore, they get caught between their behavior and their, uh, their belief systems. And that becomes very, well, it pulls them apart. And so I think that helping them to understand that they can still have a faith-based system that's consistent with their behavior. Now, and do they have this? So how would you tell them? Like, you know, let's say someone is, you know, uh, devout Catholic and... Do they then have to say, I'm not, I'm not committing adultery with the multiple relationships? How, well, would, how would one deal with that? That's a great question. What I've done in each community where I've lived is I've developed relationships with priests or rabbis or Protestant clergy of various denominations mm-hmm. who also believe um, that this is not bad. In other words, the Roman Catholic Church is not monolithic. That is, there are priests who are very accepting 
of varieties of lifestyles. I taught in a local seminary for 18 years, and uh, the faculty in that seminary was very much uh, probably about the same kind of uh, belief system that I had. Mm-hmm. Um, now, it's, it's picking out in the community because many times what's most helpful to the families who come from a very strict or very uh, yeah, strict religious system like a Roman Catholic church is to connect them with a priest who can be very understanding and help them through that. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, or to find a rabbi, for example, who right. is very open and accepting that may not be true of the particular uh, faith community that they belong. Now, given that, you know, you said you would go to, you know, a priest, rabbis, Protestant clergy, how important is it, and you and I having been on the National Advisory Council with the former Surgeon General David Satcher at um, the Center for Excellence in Sexual Health at Morehouse School at Medicine in Atlanta, one of the things that we are aware of, Bill, is that there really isn't a lot of good education for faith-based clergy to learn about the subject of sexuality, sexual function, and sexual diversity. Right. So where do, you know, we have two minutes until our next break, but where would you, if someone is a, you know, someone, you know, whether they are, you know, called to, you know, their ministry or they are an ordained minister or something, where would you recommend they go to get the type of faith-based awareness of sexuality and, you know, the blending of sexuality and religion? How can they educate themselves? Yeah, there are organizations that are dedicated to dealing with religion and sexuality. Um, I think SECUS, the Sexuality Information Education Council of the United States, they've always worked on good curriculum. Deborah Hafner's organization of uh, the uh, Institute, Justice Institute for mm-hmm. Reconciliation, um, is, is a a wonderful organization, and she's developed a curriculum for churches, and mm-hmm. she's developed a lot of material for ministers, priests, and rabbis uh, to help them to work with their particular faith community. Right One now. of the things we do is, go ahead. Because we're going to, we have like 10 seconds until our next break. Tonight, my guest is Reverend William. Dr. Staten, and what we are going to do when we come back is speak to and give examples for faith-based communities to go and get their education in this area. Please stay with us. This is Sex Talk with Lou on TogiNet with your host, Lou Paget. Techniques and tips are her specialty. She delivers bite-sized chunks of information you can use right away that work. So stand by for more Sex Talk when we get back after these. This is Sex Talk with Lou on TogiNet.com. Get ready to live la bella vita with Dawn Catherine on TogiNet.com. Live la bella vita. 
If you're wanting to know all the beauty tricks of the trade and the latest fashion trends before everyone else, this is your show. If you admire celebrities' beauty and their fashion sense, this is your show. Do you love wine and want to know more about the process it takes to make wine from the vine to the bottle? This is your show. Live la bella vita. For more on the show and your host, check out our website, labellavitacosmetico.com. This is the kind of show you can sink your teeth into. If you enjoy traveling and food and family, all with an Italian flair, then you can live La Bella Vita with your host, Dawn Catherine. Wednesday nights at midnight, 11 p.m. Central, on Toginet.com. Mind Matters is the show that dares to ask what's on your mind. Take this opportunity to join Dr. Larry Ross, clinical psychologist and Joan Duhane, licensed clinical social worker, as they combined have over 50 years of experience in dealing with your mind. Fridays at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, only on Toginet Radio. Welcome back to Sex Talk. Imagine having access to some of the best experts in the field of sexuality and sexual health so you can finally ask that question. Be it function, sensation, or something you've heard, this is the spot. It's Sex Talk with Lou on toginet.com. And now, back to your host, Lou Paget. Welcome back, everyone. Before the break... Uh, Bill Staten and I were speaking on if someone is from a faith-based organization and wants to find a place that will be, you know, that has that um, awareness and sensitivity to them wanting to learn about, you know, the blend of sexuality and religion, where might they go? And the first one, Bill, you said was Seekus, correct? Right. Seekus is the Sexuality Information and Education Council of the United States. The other is uh, the Religious Institute, and uh, they put out wonderful materials. They have a website to look up Religious Institute, um, and they have a lot of faith-based materials that is available. One of the things that's been my passion has been to get sexuality education into our various religious training programs Mm -hmm. uh, throughout the country. And we did a, I was the executive director of the Center for Sexuality and Religion, and we sponsored some research through the Ford Foundation to see what seminaries were doing. And very few seminaries in the United States religious training programs have anything, anything really on sexuality. So that one of the things we've been trying to do is to get funding and go in and train um, seminary leaders to prepare their students for going into various congregations. We had one training program in San Francisco for the West Coast, and it was very successful. Um, And we're planning other training programs clergy, and then also to get it into their um, into their uh, continuing education programs. 
Right. For so, in other words, someone who may have already graduated and now they want to go back and do brush up on a course, and they might have, you know, a full Saturday right. seminar on this. Right. Like one of the things we found is that often clergy are out in their parishes for five years before they realize, you know, they were really not prepared for the kinds of sexuality issues and questions that came to them. Well, truly, because you and I both, you know, we both know people typically go to one of three sources when they have an issue relative to relationship or relative to sexuality, and they go to an area or someone who they feel is going to be educated and sensitive, and it's either going to be a physician, a therapist, or a member of a faith-based community. And unfortunately, none of those three gets any training. That's right. And And so... If they get anything, it's in their course on um, morality. Wow. Terrible courses to to deal with a positive view of sexuality. Most most things about sexuality that are taken up have to do with pathologizing sexuality. And, and, And shaming. Right. Now, if you were to use certain scriptures to, because I'm not, you know, I'm not the, don't really know this area at all, but if you were to use examples in scripture that would show people how much more aligned their sexuality is with their faith, what might those be? Um, yeah. Is it Song of Psalms? Yeah, the problem with with quoting scriptures is you can quote scriptures on all sides of the issues. Uh, I think that one of the things that's important is that there are very positive scriptural passages in the Koran around sexuality and in the Hebrew Bible on sexuality and in the Christian Testament mm-hmm. uh, on, on sexuality. And what I have done, I had a year's course, actually, on the Bible, uh, or religious scriptures and sexuality. And in those courses, I deal with the kinds of sexual issues that come up. And they're often, you know, one of the things that's hard to find mm-hmm. is a non-dysfunctional family in any of our scriptures. <laughs> uh, so that it's used, I mean, I mean, think of what family is of the ideal family in the scriptures. There just are none. Um, well, are, are they not trying to create an example, like a, a role model example from which to teach this religious or this scriptural doctrine. Yeah, so that what we try to do is use the scriptures that talk about relationships and love and uh, caring and justice uh, so that we're teaching issues around justice issues, which would then take up uh, racial differences, for example, religious differences, that there's so much diversity, and we can learn from uh, the Bible about the importance of accepting diversity, of accepting differences, 
of accepting uh, issues around justice. And those are the kinds of scriptures rather than specific issues around sex. Because the Bible is not a sex book. And it doesn't tend to be a sex book. But I think so often people try to think of it as a, as a sex book. But it is or a book about relationships. Mm-hmm. Now, when we were in, because we have been in Orlando four years out of the past five. Right. Were there any things that these military, the the very strongly, you know, religious military um, personnel, were there any things that they were addressing that were things that um, the faith-based information that you delivered for them was um, more comforting for them? Well, what severely wounded people that we met and worked with in Orlando, you know, once they know that they're going to live, Uh they go through several battles. One battle is, um, I don't want to live. Why did you let me live? Why did you keep me, you know, uh, going when it would have been better had I died? Once they get through that, then they'll question, is there a God? You know, how could a good God uh, let this happen? And, and so then they deal with their whole background of their belief system. And then the third thing that they deal with is, well, how can I be a sexual being? How can I attract anybody to me? How can I, um, you know, be pleasured and pleasure? And one of the things that I think becomes very meaningful is to get from a faith-based person hope in all these areas. That it's good to be alive. There is a God of love that cares and uh, wants you to be fulfilled. And sex is one of those parts that we were all created as sexual beings. This is good. God created us to be sexual, and that we can find ways in which you can be sexual and be fulfilled sexually. Well, and that becomes one of our challenges is to help them to go down that path towards wholeness again. Well, as, as you and I both know, the majority of the severely injured soldiers that, that we have met and worked with, and again, you know, for um, people who are listening, I got approached by a lieutenant colonel in the Department of Defense to put this panel together because Lieutenant Colonel Good's comment was, this is an area that is not being addressed. Lots of other areas are being addressed, but this is the one thing. And when she knew that... I had Bill Staten, who was an American Baptist clergy, as one of my chosen people. She was like, oh, in a sort of hallelujah, because this is a very strong faith-based group of people that we were going to be speaking into. And as you and I both know, they're young, and they do want to have relationships. They do want to be connected. And if they had a relationship before, then... How do their, you know, how does their faith help them go forward in maintaining and keeping that connection going? Right. 
I mean, for for the wives who are like, I don't think I know, you know, my husband or the husband who goes, uh, I don't know if I know this, you know, this person anymore because of what they've gone through. What I saw is that when they had that, the solidness of a a common, you know, what we would call a common ground of their faith, that made it easier for them to continue to build on their foundation. Right. And, and, and that was a very important piece for them. Uh, one of the issues that they face, as all of them, or many of them face, is that they were not married a long time before their husband went into the service. And, you know, they instead of being um, taken care of or, or, or being in a relationship that would be reciprocal in terms of, of giving and receiving their caregivers for the rest of their life. And that is right. what they find for. Those who right. come from a strong faith-based community have a much better adjustment to working that through and getting their, their needs met than those who do not come from a faith-based Right, and and you and I both know that there's um, there's a very high separation and divorce rate um, among those. But you know, when we are able to come in and give the support for them and let them, you know, as you know, particularly you with your expertise in this area, we probably have maybe 45 seconds until we go out. Is there anything you would like to share with people, Bill? Well, I think the important thing is that we work to to integrate our our spirituality, our meaning with our sexuality, that we feel good about ourselves, we feel good about sex, and we have a positive view of sexuality, and that we accept the diversity in all aspects of our sexuality. I couldn't have said it better. Thank you for being with me, Bill. My guest this evening is Reverend Dr. William Staten. Thank you for being with us. Thank you, Bill. Thank you for being a part of Sex Talk with Lou on TogiNet with host Lou Paget. Every week, this will be your chance to be a fly on the wall and learn about one of the most important parts of our health, our sexual health. Join Lou Paget. She will